I'm Rena Striggle. Welcome to the Courage to Breakthrough podcast. Each of us has an exceptional ability to impact the world. We're here to make the world a better place by living life with awareness and fulfilling our unique purpose. It's time to break through obstacles and fear in order to stop wishing something will happen and start making a courageous life a reality. Your journey starts right now. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Courage to Breakthrough podcast. I'm super excited to be talking to Gina Perkins today. Gina is the owner of Cultivating Hope Farms. It is the first care farm in the state of Iowa. So we've got a real innovator that's going to be on the show today talking to you about how she and her husband have brought this amazing sort of goal and dream to light. So without further ado, um, we're going to bring Gina on, and I also want to let you know that we're going to be joined by a therapy rooster today, and I can honestly say that I have never done a podcast where we've had a therapy animal on board, so if you're curious about what Teddy looks like, you'll have to check out our YouTube channel so you can get a look at this handsome guy, but without further ado, let's bring on Gina and Teddy. So Gina, it is amazing to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us because I'm super excited for our listeners to find out what you are up to. So why don't we just start by having you just sort of give us a little verbal tour of your operation and what you're working on. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity and we are thrilled to be the first care farm in Iowa Care farming is something very established in Europe, and we'd be the first one in the state. It's obviously Iowa is a farm-based state, so the heritage there is available for us, and we are thrilled to access that and offer it to our community, which most of them don't live on the farm anymore. And it's basically the idea of a care farm is it's using the farm practices for therapeutic uses. And actually, I brought along a little ambassador if you'd like to meet him from the farm. Let me get Teddy the rooster. Teddy the Rooster was from the Des Moines ARL. Cultivating Hope Farms adopts most of their animal helpers. And this one was running the streets of Des Moines. Teddy, say hello. Oh, there, oh, oh, there's Teddy. Do you see Teddy okay? Okay, so for, oh, those, of you, yeah, for those of you oh. who are uh, listening in, Teddy is a very handsome gray and black and I'm not sure what breed he is, but he's very handsome. He is a sweet boy. You know, they just came out with an article that roosters, chickens, they can be therapeutic animals too. He is very gentle. Actually, he'll follow you like a little puppy dog. So Teddy the rooster, if he cockle doodle doos, he's giving you a little bit of farm background noise. And uh, so my daughter, who's autistic, she's five. She is nonverbal. But uh, he is allowed in our home. He stays in a little Tupperware container. And uh, she is very calmed by his cluck, 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 and she can pet him. And that is something animals do well at, is offering a calming atmosphere, which is something very special for a care farm. Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about how you and your husband decided to do this. Like, what led you into the decision you know, we are very passionate people by nature, and kids and animals are definitely that driving force. And we've been blessed with the five kiddos, two of which have 
you know, different abilities. One of them, like I just mentioned, is autistic and she's nonverbal. She'll be five here soon. And we really witness, we live on an acreage, we're blessed to have eight acres. And um, with Cultivating Hope Farms, we decided just to open this opportunity to our community. So it took us a while to get this going. It takes a while to build your team. Um, the animals I've had for a long time and we adopt consistent, constantly. We just are fostering from the Des Moines ARL, a little pony. So we're constantly have the animals, but building that professional team has taken us about a year. So on board right now, we have a, from Drake University, an occupational therapist on our board. And we also have um, her own, um, she's the first in the state to have in-home ABA therapy. Applied Behavior Analysis is what that stands for. And our daughter is the first in the state to also get that in home. And we've seen magnificent progress with that, with the combination of her being in her home and then being on the acreage with these animals and being out in nature. She went from zero words to 75 words. And that is developmental wellness. And she is the president, Kyle, on our board for Cultivating Hope Farms. So it's just a really valuable combo of um, all these professionals and having the network of the farm for these kids in our community. Absolutely. So how many, you know, how, talk a little bit about the size and scope of your operation and then talk about how many, you know, how many people are you serving currently that, that come out and just talk a little bit about what they do when they come and spend time with you. Sure. As of right now, Raspberry Hill on the southwest corner of Ames is um, 74 acres and Raspberry Hill has designated 25 of those acres for Cultivating Hope Farms. Cultivating Hope Farms has just, it's a baby, just started this year. So we are 5013C pending. We make sure and tell people that. We put it back in October. Any day now we should be through that process. Um, but we are, we have had two free events for ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder. One in the spring of 2019 and then one in the fall of 2019. And from that, we had fun things offered with goat yoga, which is always fun for kiddos. And so we really don't have a clientele base yet. We're just getting ourselves out there and letting people know that we are here. Um, with this whole new situation in the world, we've kind of thrown a, a kind of wrench in the whole planning process of that. But our first program is going to be in June. And that's something they can see on our um, Facebook page and kind of see those events coming up. Um, we had to change a few things. We were going to be at the Iowa Horse Fair down at the state fairgrounds in April, but that got changed because of this situation with social distancing. And obviously, since we are a kind of a social program, um, we're trying to figure out some new <laughs> ways of bringing this to the community. We've talked about maybe live streaming, maybe have, you know, story time with Teddy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very well behaved. He just sits there. He's very <laughs> nonchalant <laughs> on your lap. He just seems quite content. He's a very happy rooster. And you know, all of our animals that we have handpicked from um, different, most like I said, mostly from the Des Moines ARL, we, we want to rescue animals to rescue people. And they are all really made to um, be very calming in nature. And uh, so Teddy's a good ambassador to show the rest of them what they're like. They're here. His little animal helper buddies at home are very much like him. Yeah. So, so what kind of animals do you have on the farm right now? Good question. We have almost everything. We have a little mini donkey. She's all ears. She loves to listen. 
We have um, we have several goats. We have obviously for the goat yoga that we've offered in the past. That's always a, a big fun winner right there for the kiddos. Um, we also have several chickens. You'd be surprised. The ARL is not just for dogs and cats. It's also farmyard critters. So a lot of our chickens have come from the ARL. Um, like I said, Teddy did too. We have a little pot belly pig. His name's Bacon. And he was also from the ARL in Des Moines. And uh, he loves his belly being scratched. He's a little mischievous fun. But uh, he is very optimistic. And he is a great one for kiddos that like to have a different touch with a little scratchiness. He has a sensory thing. He's like all the different types of sensory items that come with these critters. Um, we also have kitty cats and dogs and horses and ponies. So everything but a calf. We are looking for a sponsor. We have a a network for a little mini, I think it's Highlander calf. Mm -hmm. So kind of, they have shown that they're pretty good therapy animals too. So if anybody wants to sponsor a Highlander calf for Cultivating Hope Farms, we're sure looking for that kind of partnership too. Excellent. So talk a little bit about the, the children or the, the people that you feel are, are going to be served by your farm. Obviously we've talked about right. some autistic you know, Absolutely. it helps with autism. Yes. What other what other types of disorders or challenges do you feel like you want to, what population do you want to serve? You know, we are definitely serving the, the different abilities in our community, special needs and the families of that, because it's not just an individual, it's a family. So serving the families is very important in our program. But, you know, in, in a true honesty in our today, in our climate and what we're going through, I think everybody coming home to the farm, it has a special meaning and uh, really healing in, in that aspect. So really, it, it's not, it's very inclusive. We're not just going to section out one. We have talked with um, Friendship Arc here in town. They're an adult uh, residential care. They have been out here a couple times and they've done some things on the farm. Um, so, you know, it's not just a kid program. It's definitely a, a lifelong program that we want to institute as a community and as a family. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about how you just how you came to decide to do this because it's a new operation. So you obviously were doing something before last year. And so just talk a little bit about, you know, what you were doing before and sort of what led you to now kind of create the bring this passion project to life. Well, like I said before, my husband and I, if you add up, I have five children, 19 down to four. And if you add up all of our years on the farm, it's over 100 years of experience because he grew up on a farm, I grew up on a farm. So it's kind of in our roots. And with that, um, it's become part of our kids, ingrained in them too. Now, they, they were raised on the eight acres that we have here in Story County, or Boone County, I'm sorry. And, you know, that has shown us the, just the value, value of having a farm and kiddos learning life skills, hard work ethic, compassion. It's, those are really good qualities that a farm really does a really good job teaching rather than a book. And we all need physical touch and these animals are a good way of outsourcing those needs. And they, like I guess that they love unconditionally. And um, I have a passion for kids and animals and I've seen what those two put together can do. And it's really a beautiful thing that um, I'm not saying we don't need clinical. We do. That's why I have clinical people on our board. We do need that knowledge. But if you compare the two, I just see it as a win-win. And that has been my driving force and seeing it with my own kids and wanting to offer that to other people and families. Mm -hmm. So so what are what were you and your husband doing as far as your careers prior to 
you know, I um, stay home. I'm a stay-at-home mom for the past 20 years. But before that, I'm a certified teacher. I still am. I taught three and a half years in the public school system before I stayed home full time. And then we homeschooled. And I also was supervising since I am certified other homeschool families. And we do, you know, basically we'd meet in a, a one building. We do like a one room schoolhouse type of feel. And we do fun activities all together in all different age groups. I, I've seen really good benefits of all these kids at different ages working together and relating together and helping one another. And I think that was a big thing too, coming into Cultivating Hope Farms, seeing that advantage of multi-generational. So that's a big part. Um, also, my husband, he is teaching at the University of Iowa State University in town engineering. He teaches construction engineering. And uh, he's a teacher by trade. So <laughs> that probably, you know, that teacher drives us too and wanting to yeah. teach and, and grow and learn. And using nature in the farm is um, obviously part of our work. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So let's, let's talk about your decision to form a board because you know, farm families now are becoming more aware of the fact that even, you know, on a, on a more traditional farming operation, there's often a need for governance and for seeking outside advice and bringing a collaborative team of people together through, you know, whether it's an advisory board or a policy governance board. So talk a little bit about how you and your husband formulated the board and when did you decide that you needed one? You know, the board is something that at, at first we weren't really, um, we're kind of hard people to micromanage <laughs> by nature. So we're kind of independent and very passionate to the point where maybe we intimidate a little bit by our passion. So um, it was definitely a, a process over time seeing that we can't do it all. We don't know it all. So you have to outsource and, and look for those resources. And there again, my daughter and our son was a good way of getting us out there, finding these people that are professional in the, the realm of therapy. And like I said, with our daughter specifically, she is, you know, she forced us in a way, if you want to look at it, not that she didn't force us, but, you know, we were driven to see improvement for her because the odds for autistic kiddos anyway are, are pretty poor. 80% are living in poverty. And, you know, that's not an odd uh, a number that we really wanted for her, or does any any parent want? We went seeking professional help, and for us, we've tried a lot of things um, that were more traditional in the the realm of um, clinical in a room. And for her, unfortunately, seeing a three year old having anxiety and a panic attack in a little room, it, it was not a a thing that um, worked for us. Now, can it for others? It can, but for us specifically, it did not work. And um, seeing this little girl really being in turmoil and not really growing and learning in that environment, we thought there has to be something better. There has to be something. These are kids. Let them be a kid and um, get that therapy. And this just really came about because of that and meeting, like I said, Kyle from Developmental Wellness and her passion to bring that therapy home. Um, and home is such a comforting word. Yeah. <laughs> and then you add in the farm it's just a depth of comfort that um, it's really transitioned our daughter, Caitlin, um, to the point where she is now communicating. You know, it's not just the 75 words. She's now communicating two to three letter sentences, which, you know, a year ago she was not saying anything but no, and that wasn't clear. Yeah. So, you know, that is huge things in progression and seeing that. So there's, there's, there's where our passion came from. That's where we needed that board. We needed that professional help. We needed a team together. Cause, and you know, look at our community right now. 
we're going to need a team together to get through this. And so it's nothing different from that right there. We're just thankful that we were able to do it um, this last year and pull these people together. And, and hopefully it'll, it'll make a big impact in, just in our community now. Yeah. When you pulled the board together, how did you make a decision about how many people you wanted to sit on your board? Because that can be a big, even a big decision. It can be, yeah. You know, really, the numbers just came naturally. We started looking for, um, like I said, we, we reached out to Kyle first with developmental wellness, and she kind of put her feelers out there, and that's where she got um, Molly through um, occupational therapy at, at Drake. And um, she just called us on the blue and just said, hey, I, I love this idea. You know, I live on an acreage too, and I have some goats and regrow some things. I'm a mama farm girl, and I think this is a great idea, and I just see the benefits of it. And, you know, so a lot of it is just people have called us and saying, I believe in this idea, and I want to be a part of it. And so from that, we've had, um, you know, we've had a board member leave just because of personal things that have happened in their life. But, you know, so the numbers really came by more just naturally. We didn't really go seeking a certain number. It was more of the individual and their passion for this and their background. Um, and that's what kind of formed the numbers that we have, which is yeah. the right now the four. So you've got animals. They're obviously going to be a huge part of the therapies is just, you know, getting, getting people to just interact with them. And, right. you know, I'm sure there's going to be some cool programs. I, we will talk about goat yoga because <laughs> I, I have heard of goat yoga and I know that there's a lot of jokes on the internet about goat yoga. So you're going to have to talk about goat yoga here in just a little bit. I'm very interested to find out, are you going to be doing anything in terms of like, are they going to be doing some gardening exercises Absolutely. or planting anything? Are they, are they going to be working in the dirt? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Iowa, that's what we have. It's black gold. Not all kids are into animals. You know, some are intimidated and that's okay. So that's where nature comes in and you want to go fishing. Do you want to plant? Do you want to walk? Do you want to explore? You know, those are options that nature allows a lot of variety. So that will be in place. Yeah. Very good. So, you know, just in terms of, you know, what, what do you see in the future? Because obviously this is all kind of coming together for you and it's probably sky's the limit really at this point. What do you envision some of the programs that will be non-animal programs? What do you envision the, some of those looking like? Well, to give you an example, and this will have an animal aspect to it, but in June, our first official program, we have partnered with Kindred Music. Kindred Music is a nationwide program for music. And they're in here, in Ames alone, Kindred Music with Wendy is her name who runs it. She has partnered with us in that she's going to come out to the farm and offer a, you know, a unique program with Cultivating Hope Farms. And there again, the community is working together with the gifts that we have to bring that resource in a, an environment that doesn't have walls. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to some kiddos that, that struggle with that anxiety of the walls and being filled closed in and trapped. So she's coming out once. We'll have a five-week program once a week, and we'll introduce a new animal every week. And she'll bring in her program with the music we're even thinking about teaching Mr. Teddy here how to hit a drum with his little beak with some, maybe some mealworms. <laughs> yeah. I think he'd be game. I mean, for for those of you who are listening, Teddy is still hanging in there with us. He has just been sitting and just completely attentive this whole time. <laughs> 
So that will be, you know, that's an example of a program that we do have that's been developed that will be starting in June that you can still sign up at, at Kindred Music and Ames. Um, it's readily available for anybody. Um, it's not just for special needs. Now, we are leaving a few spots blank for that because we are trying to focus in on that because one aspect of being a family with special needs is you get isolated. You know, you can't go to those traditional classes because of just the, it, it becomes a more disturbance situation. Unfortunately, the truth of that being is that they can't help it, but it just, we don't want to distract from there what they're paying customers. So, you know, they have to understand when they come here to cultivate Hope Farms with Kindred Music, it, it won't look the same. It won't be, there'll be some things that might happen, but we just to understand and have compassion for those differences that we have. And, but it's an opportunity for those families to come and not be isolated. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I know you've got your uh, you've got another son that's not we autistic, do. but he's got he's got some interesting health challenges of, of, as well that you're using your farm yes. environment to help him. Talk a little bit about that. So Cade is his name. He's 17, and in 2012, he um, he's my Dr. Seuss or not Dr. Seuss. Um, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. What's the little boy's name that has a little cowlick? The little cow like little boy, um, Dennis the Menace. Woo! Dennis the Menace. You have to take that one out. So my little <laughs> boy, Dennis the Menace. And he even has the cow like to go with it. And in 2012, he was playing with his cousins and he came in to me talking, hey, mommy, my ankle hurts. Well, you know, I didn't think much about it back then because at the time we were blessed with health. And he thought, well, he's just running around being a little boy. And he just tripped and you go through the normal things of icing it and then you'd give him a pain pill and then you go to the doctor and you have an x-ray and everything seemed to be normal and but it continued to get worse for him and by december of that same year 2012 he was then well bound and he was in such chronic pain that we went to iowa city the doctors in pediatrics there in uh, mcfarland clinic here in ames refer, referred us over there and um, they basically did not under, know exactly what was going on rsd it was a, a, um, a chronic pain disease they thought that's what he had. Then they re referred him back to Mayo. Mayo did some observations on him and said, well, it's autoimmune related. And by this point, he was bed bound in pain. And mm -hmm. the pain basically consumed him to the point where you have this 10-year-old 10 10 little boy at the time looking at you and saying, mommy, I don't want to live anymore. And that is a very daunting thing to hear a little boy say. And that definitely puts a fire under you as a parent to try to do something, um, even when the doctor says there's nothing we can do. So, um, you know, we, we are um, believers in something bigger than that. There's always something you can do. <laughs> so we came home, and my husband, being an engineer, he did a lot of things that were very unique. He, he built a zero-gravity thing and got him in front of a, a video game, started getting him moving a little bit with a fun way of doing it. And then we got a swim spa. I don't know if you're much about swim spa, but he, it's a heated, basically, therapeutic way of swimming. And we brought that into our garage and he did some swimming with some friends and it was very therapeutic. And within six months, um, he was still in pain. We did some diet, diet changes, things too like that, that were helpful. Um, but by six months of diet change and this unique kind of fun therapy, he's walking again. So, and to this day, he still deals with chronic pain, but we did see how fun put into therapy made him progress to where he is today and he's still walking and running and doing soccer and he's even in ninja gym where he's doing very athletic things oh that that's awesome well we wouldn't have thought he'd been able to do so yeah he he has given us a passion for fun therapy 
And uh, he's not as much into the animals as my autistic daughter is, but he's definitely into nature and getting out there like any boy is and, and, uh, and getting in, in with his friends and doing some fun activities. Yeah, I think that's such a great message in terms of, you know, medicine can take us part of the way, but sometimes it, it really is up to us to figure out things that we can do to just encourage health and progress. And so I think that's amazing that you took sort of a very dire situation conversation with the doctors and came home and said, well, what can we do? Yeah. And I mean, amazing progress. That's, I, I know a lot of people with chronic pain and some of them don't have quite that happy of a story. So right. that's awesome that you could do that. And awesome that he's motivated by nature too. That's he wonderful. Definitely motivated by nature, you know, airsoft guns or going out there and exploring and he loves, you know, the fishing and all those kind of fun things. So yeah, so nature has been very therapeutic for him and getting out there and getting moving and I think in general, I think all of us can relate in some level. If it's the animals, it's just getting out in nature. It is very motivating and it's self-motivating. And that's, that's a key is having a self-motivation. And we've seen that fun aspect also being a self-motivator to improving our health with these mm -hmm. kids. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in terms of, you know, you've definitely got a therapeutic aspect, but it sounds like this is going to be therapeutic for anybody who comes. Sounds Absolutely. like you've got an environment yeah. that is healing and wholesome for anybody who just wants to get closer to nature, put their feet on a farm property, be mm -hmm. around farm animals. So is this going to be, you know, is your hope that it will just sort of be a refuge for all and maybe, a, you know, have more maybe specific therapies for some? I love the, the word refuge. That's exactly it. You know, in this world, we need a refuge. And um, I, that is a key to this place. It's going to be a refuge for all. And it's a place of healing. Now, can I say we're, you know, for reasons of, I can't say we're doing therapy. It's therapeutic. Now, is it ran by um, professionals that are in that, that realm? Yes, they are. But, you know, those are things that, um, uh, that you'd have to go to a clinical facility to get the therapy. But mm -hmm. this would definitely be therapeutic in nature. And we are, like I said, the programs are developed by professional therapy individuals. So, yeah. so what is your what is your hope? Is there your hope that you'll have, you know, children and families on the property every day of the week? Will there be will you ever, you know, have people who are living at the property or is is your hope more that there's going to be just certain days and or weeks of the year where you're running programs and people are kind of coming and then going. What, what is your hope or your vision for your operation? That's a big sentence right there. So that is a long-term span. Right now, we're going to start so very small at that five-week program and just offer just sections of five-week programs throughout the summer just because we want to make sure and do it and do it right and not do so much that we just fall on our face. And it's also, you know, we need more people to volunteer and to come and be a part of this because I, we, we only have, like I said, the four and we can't do it all. Obviously, we're such a baby and brand new. This is an exciting time for people. They start hearing about this. Oh, I'd love to be a part of that. That makes me excited too because I need you. I need you to come on board with your gifts. You know, we talked about someone with art therapy. Art and nature sounds great, but I don't have a degree in art. <laughs> I'm on board, you know, and so I'm really, you're talking about numbers and growing. 
I'm still growing. I'm still looking and, and we're still resourcing. You know, we've just partnered up with um, Pause and Effect. They're a therapeutic with dogs and, you know, that's a nonprofit. You know, nonprofits working together, I think, is a thing. I think it's something we need to do more of and network together more on. Um, like I just talked about with Friendship Arc here in Ames, they're a residential for adults. They've said, you know, they're a nonprofit. We want to start having those, you know, those guys coming out and volunteering. Great. I'm going to need to have stalls cleaned once I get my barn. That's something we need is a barn and facilities here at Raspberry Hill for that Cultivating Hope Farm 25 acres. Because right now we don't have it. Those are real things that we are being challenged with right now on the programming side you're talking about. I can't, I don't have the facility for, you know, five days a week. Just because those animals, as of right now, have to be transported here to Raspberry Hill Cultivating Hope Farms with the corral panels. It's a very temporary thing. And if you can imagine, just like kiddos being transported to their therapy, you have these animals. Who are my animal helpers for assisting? They're being transported. Then they're asked to work. You know, yeah. there's a lot of demand on them. So I don't want to push them too much either. So, you know, that, that once a week right now for those five-week programs where we're starting, and then hopefully get the word out and maybe we can, you know, the fundraising part right now, it's kind of hard because of just the, the culture we're in with the situation. But, you know, we're hoping that people see the value of this and say, you know what, you know, the situation we're in, it is very healing and therapeutic for my family. I want to be a part of that. How can I help? You know, if it's financial, if it's with your hands and your feet, that would be great too. Or if it's your knowledge base, there's so many different ways that you can participate in this. So we can grow it to be a five to seven day, you know, program. And uh, you talked about living on site. Well, Raspberry Hill has a permit that we're hoping to get through that would have cabins and that opportunity for, you know, to get away, mm -hmm. to be on the farm, to stay for a while and be able to play with the animals and do some nature based things would be a long term outlook. The plan has been in place, but I can't offer that today. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that would be one of our future um, outlooks for that. And you know, another thing, I think you've interviewed um, Shelby with yeah. Jiminy yeah. Crickets. Yeah. You know, yeah. we've been in contact, um, you know, over a year and a half ago. She's one of my behind the scene players. She would love to bring on, she's looking at you know, having those portable facilities to bring out and, and need more of a work base for these kids. We just talked about the 80% being in poverty and giving them an opportunity that is, you know, is not nearly as um, overwhelming if they go into like a Walmart, that's kind of daunting for them. This would be in nature, an opportunity for them to earn an income. So that's another part of this and giving them a, a place of work. And we've already done that here at Raspberry Hill where we have a couple individuals that come in and they host, you know, just smiling today is therapeutic. You know, right, everybody right. might not have the ability to do some other things, but, you know, smiling, opening a door, saying, we're so glad you're here. And however they present that in their sweet way, that is such a heartwarming thing. And we need that. So, and that's very valued. And that's what we're here at, Raz at Cultivating Hope Farms. We see the value in everyone. You always have a gift that can be shared. And we're here to help you with that and network that in a way that's going to be successful. Yeah. What are your children thinking about this, this activity and how are they involved? <laughs> well, all different directions. So we have um, my twin four-year-olds I mentioned. We have the autistic, my daughter who's Caitlin. She's, um, they're going to be five soon, but her sister who's also her twin, uh, she's totally um, typical. 
She's a bubbly wannabe teenager already, and she fits in in so many directions. If you go to our Facebook, you can probably see most of my kiddos on there for Cultivating Hope Farms because she is helping not only care for the animals at age four, but she gathers their eggs and she helps, you know, she's helping me teach these animals how to be therapeutic and helping, um, you know, her, her size. She is a, she might be small, but she is mighty in, in uh, her mannerisms. So she helps me with the animals in, at the farm there. But also my other boys who are 20, 17, and 15, you know, they do a lot of hands-on things right now. I don't have a big volunteer base, so they're out there. They're doing the chores in the morning and the evening for these animals. You know, it doesn't just get done by itself. It's, it's, a, it's a huge task, cleaning stalls and feeding and taking care of and, and vetting and doing things that um, a lot of kiddos, I think it would be good for them to learn. And eventually, I think it would be nice to have that part of our programming, too, is that workforce. So all of them are basically behind the scenes making it move and continuing to make it move. Yeah, I think I think you can't really call a farm a farm unless you've got family all working together, right? And you to have your boots dirty. And having children, you know, growing up and kind of learning how and participating in in the care of either, you know, the agronomy of it or the the livestock aspect. So, I would expect nothing less than your kids being out there mucking out saws and, you know, <laughs> making sure the animals were clean enough to be presented as a therapy animal. So Yes. Well, and they're also, you know, they're at the ages now, they're, they make good mentors. And we've talked about that being part of our program, too. We need kid mentors, too. Kids mentoring kids. You know, in today's climate, it's, it's just it, we need to have those relationships again. Unfortunately, social media, it hasn't developed in the way that I think is very beneficial at times. So I think having that relationship one-on-one -on -one and in nature and, and having communication and talking and, and uh, there's been a situation we had a young man come out and help the boys with cleaning out a stall that had a really hard family life situation and he was able to open up and talk to my boys and my boys came in the house and kind of opened their eyes too of some of the difficulties other people have mm -hmm. and the blessings that they have and being able to say, you know, I just listen and but he left with a smile. You know, and I said, you know, honey, that's more therapeutic than what, you know, he probably would have got in a, in a room with a, just an individual listening to him and just having that activity where he's actually physically doing something because boys need something to do with their chest rostrum. They just really need some physical activity. And then also having another, another boy their age just standing there listening to him compassionately was very therapeutic for him. Yeah. So we've seen that and yeah. we want to see more of that. Yeah. What is your current sort of range? How, how far are people coming to visit? Like, how right. far out are you reaching right now? Well, right now, I just say, you know, the Ames area, maybe Ankeny, Des Moines, um, not much because they don't know we're here. Um, so that's where you're coming in is putting that out for people saying, okay, there's something unique at Cultivating Hope Farms, and this might be an opportunity for me and my family. I'm going to check it out and you can go on our website and you can just send us an email and tell us, you know, your story and what you're looking for and, you know, and get some more conversations going on that. But yeah, right now that's basically our, our central Iowa area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so just talk a little bit about what, what do you need help with now? I mean, obviously we're in a, you know, we're in a strange time, futures a little bit, you know, even our kind of day-to-day -day routines are all getting shook up, but, you know, obviously the need is still there. And I, I, I'm a firm believer that when things get really tough, the more you focus out and try to help others, just the more 
love and joy we put into the world, then the stress just goes down as a collective. So what, what help are you needing? What resources? I know we've talked about getting a little calf, yeah. um, needing a sponsor, but, but what, what are the other needs that you have right now in terms of if people thought, gosh, I just, I need to get out of here. I need to go volunteer somewhere. What kind of needs do you have? What sort of expertise would you wish for? Okay. You have, I have a lot of big wishes. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. So with Cultivating Hope Farms, we did it kind of backwards. Normally nonprofits are started with a financial base that have, I don't, I'm not rich. So we kind of went backwards. I am, I'm really, we are a grassroots um, type of organization. We are really going hard with our passions and we're putting everything we have into it. And it's, it's very hard because we do need major things to get this really rolling with that five-day, seven-day program. You know, we, we really do need a place with a barn because Iowa weather, as you well know, living in Iowa is so unpredictable. And not having that, um, not only for the animals, but also for the kiddos here at Cultivating Hope Farms is, is something we're really going to need. And, the, this, you know, we need not only the shelter, but we also need the fencing. To keep not only the you know not only the animals in you know some autistic kids some special needs kids are runners so for their for their safety because we do have a stream on site we do have a pond on site you know those are some really major needs so what we've done in the past we've used snow fence it's a temporary thing <laughs> but yeah. you know what we have so we've done that so you know some financial needs there and we've talked to like Tyson's here in town Tyson's is an Iowa company. You know, Iowa is a agricultural, as you well know, state. There's yes, so yes. many agricultural corporate places that I think if they knew what we were doing and who we are and what we're trying to do, potentially could come on board, not just, with, you know, with the, the donations and sponsorships, but also with, okay, we're Tyson's. We have fencing. I'd love to just donate some fencing for your animals and to keep the kiddos safe. Um, you know, with Lowe's. I've talked to Lowe's. Well, we can't donate money, but we can donate materials. Mm -hmm. So, you know, putting that building and having some donated materials, you know, my husband, he works at Town Engineering with construction. There's construction companies. I would love just to come out with a workforce and volunteer to get this building up for you guys. You know, those are real things that could be really done. We've talked about having a barn raising opportunity for the community to come together like we used to. And that is something very tangible. We all get together. We're all serving. We're bringing, you know, grandma brings a pie or, you know, things like that where you're getting together, you're raising that building. And it, it really is something community based that we see to be something very beneficial. Yeah. Who, who could be qualified to volunteer with you? Well, you know, we've talked about just friendship arc. Um, if you can hold a shovel, <laughs> you know, anybody really could. You know, right now, I really am looking for people that are, you know, like I talked about with the arts, the art therapy, some professionals that have some, some abilities that they've worked with kids, they've worked with their giftings and their profession, and they're just willing to maybe bring it into an environment that is a little less traditional, that might not be quite as formal with, I have, you know, not only Teddy the chicken that might be coming into the program, but the donkey, Maud the donkey, or you know, bacon the pig. So it, they have to become somewhat flexible in the atmosphere being kind of unique. So professionals willing to do that, I, I would really like to see more of that come into. Obviously, families that just would like to volunteer some time, that will be a potential right now. Like I said, I don't have the barns or at my personal acreage right now until we get that facility. I really just don't have um, that opportunity for them yet. But, you know, it will come. 
as soon as we get that facility and that barn and the fencing, that will definitely be a need. But as of right now, I just need the professionals coming on board saying, this is the things that I have to offer. This is what I've done. Let's see if we can just get a program and join you in getting some more programming. And that'd be great. So what have you found to be the, the, the biggest challenge that you've overcome so far in terms so of, <laughs> I'm sorry, was that? There's so many, <laughs> you know, money is obviously a big one. You know, it's like I said, we're not, we are not financially at that point where we could just build the barn and have it ready for everybody and get it going. So that's been a, a big one, you know, just getting it through, um, the 5013C status, I had no idea how much time that would take before I could even mail that in. That was like an eight-month process of getting that taken care of. So that was a challenge. Um, you know, just the, the whole opportunity. There's so much opportunity for this for families, but having it accessible in a way that is handicap accessible and all those kind of things that come with the building has been really kind of difficult for us. Mm-hmm. If you were to, you know, to tell me, like, what was your, your biggest aha or, you know, the thing that was a surprise in, you know, taking a very busy life? I mean, there's no doubt that you have been incredibly busy with, you, you know, just the things that you had going on before you decided to form your, your not-for-profit. Right. But what has been the thing that's been the biggest surprise or the biggest, like, wow, I'm so glad that we took a leap of faith and did this. You know, I think seeing personally, seeing my daughter and the progress she has made and seeing these professionals say, I believe in what your vision is and I want to come on board when everybody is so busy has been inspirational to me. Because these are people that have very busy lives, like you said. I, yes, I have a busy life. But seeing other people also jump in and say, I want to be a part of this. I want to be, I want to help make this for our community something as a resource that everybody can benefit from as a family. That has been so encouraging to me because they're not getting paid. <laughs> these are all volunteers. And uh, I think. That has been such an inspiration. Mm -hmm. If there was, you know, another professional, you know, obviously the art therapy, but, you know, is there another, you know, type of occupational therapy or something like that you, that you thought, wow, that would nestle right in really nicely with some of the other programs that we have. What, what would that be? What would your dream list be? Physical therapy. That would be one. We've talked to a couple companies. I can't say right now which ones, but um, behind the scenes that is going on, that would be ideal. <laughs> but there again, you know, there's some real barriers that we're talking about. I need a, I need a um, handicap accessible bathroom. You know, people come inside, they have to use a restroom. I don't have a handicap accessible bathroom. So until you get those things in place, it's hard to really offer a full program. But, you know, that's something I really um, would love to see is a physical therapist come on board. Other than that, there's, there's so many teachers out there that are, you know, the freed up right now. I would love to hear from some of their ideas, um, you know, that they work every day hard with um, special needs and, and um, different abilities on just typical kids that they're coming in with, that they deal with every day that I'm kind of out of that realm. I've been homeschooling for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So being able to resource with different teachers would be really great. 
because they, they, they write programs all the time. <laughs> yeah. And they're used to just writing them on the fly and doing things. So I would love to have that resource available too. Excellent. Excellent. What do you, you know, when you think about just this whole project and how, you know, as your children continue to get older, what you'll be able to pour into this as far as your time, what, what do you envision as far as how you will be utilizing your time versus, you know, other people who will be doing other things? Yeah, I, I don't know. Things are changing so much on my time is basically networking like today. It's mm -hmm. getting out there, putting a face to cultivating Hope Farms, um, telling them, educating them on the teacher side of things. What is a care farm? What do you do? What do they offer? Why would this be important to me? And that's probably where I'll continue to be for quite a while, mm -hmm. that networking and educating people on what a care farm is and what it has to offer to everybody. Yeah. And those needs. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we're also working behind the scenes. Like we've talked to a winery. Well, I need more growing space. Would you be willing to, because our ground, the 74 acres here is all organic. Can we grow some grapes there? And then, you know, the, the kiddos have another resource of cultivating those grapes for our farm. And I was like, yeah, that's a potential. Mm -hmm. um, we can do, let's start talking. So, you know, some, some bees, you know, can we have our hives out there? We can start showing and teaching kids, not only, you know, not life skills, but real things that they can learn and grow from. We just had a gentleman that came out from the Ames community. He does, um, he goes to the community to do harvest the maple syrup. He goes into the front yards and you can harvest the own maple syrup and he processes and gives you half the product for using your tree. Mm -hmm. And we had a program out here showing that whole process from tree to table. And the kids and the families came out and they got to tap a tree. They got to put their tongue underneath it and taste that <laughs> coming out of that tree and, and see that whole process. And, you know, that was really, it, it gives your heart warmth. Yeah. Seeing those kids smile, seeing those families taking a hayride back to the trees and tapping a tree. And, you know, all those things are really warm fuzzies that in today's world are really needed. And uh, that, so yeah, networking and teaching is probably what I'll be doing for quite a while. Yeah. What was your biggest fear when you, when you and your husband were deciding to, to embark on this new adventure? What was your biggest fear and did that fear come true in the end? Oh, you know, fear is something I try to hold back on. It's a pretty strong word, but I, I think for us, we, we don't want to, we just don't want to fail in this because we see the value in it in so many more directions while I'm even verbalizing. You know, our, our climate, our culture is, is so in need of love and what better to do that in, in an environment in nature that has always been there for us. It's never failed us, but I don't want to fail it. <laughs> I, I want to be able to um, do it and do it well. And um, I'm still human. I still get tired. I still, um, you know, I, I still get lost. Like, okay, what do I do now? H how do I solve this problem? How do I network? How do I get this done where we can actually have a sustainable program for people? And making that promise, I'd, I try not to promise unless I can really fulfill it. That would be kind of a, a daunting thing for me. Like talking to you right now, I wish I could say I have a five-day program from this time to this time in this building with these things. <laughs> you <laughs> because, will. 
I will. I will. Um, you know, because human expectations are sometimes high, and uh, I want to offer as much as I can, but I still am human. And um, with this, you know, we have 74 acres. That's what I have right now. Um, but it does rain, and we did have that happen with our ASD day in the fall. We had a tent, we had our snow fence, and we had our, our animals out there, but it, it poured down rain. And everybody's cuddled in this 12 by 12 tent. <laughs> so it wasn't ideal. Um, you know, that people are full of grace too. And yeah. it, it wasn't where it, it wasn't as perfect as I was in my head had visioned and planned out. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So some of those real things just you have to let down and surrender to and um, just know that this is where you're at, but you're still waiting for those to come on board that will in the right time. And that's what I'm, I'm trusting in. Yeah, you talked a little bit about just the isolation of some of the families that that you hope that this farm will be there to serve. How have you, you know, made sure that you did not get isolated? Because as you said, this is the first farm of its kind in Iowa. Right. And you're you're trying to do something very unique here. So what are you doing to ensure that you don't feel isolated in this journey? I am isolated. I wish I could have a better answer than that, but um, that has been a, a, a truth in living in a, a realm of chronic pain and autism, specifically nonverbal autism. You know, you just can't go to a movie theater and sit down and enjoy as a family. You can't just go out freely to eat when you have a son that has allergies, food allergies. You just can't do those things that we, some typical families we take for granted. I used to take for granted before 2012. So those are things that really drove me personally to, we had the family business Raspberry Hill, I keep mentioning. That was a way for our family to have a, a, a support system for our, our intimate family, where my son might not be able to have a traditional job but as a family, we could support each other. And when he can work, he'd have that availability to do so. And that's an, a networking of family love and support. Mm -hmm. That was where family, Raspberry Hill came into. And Raspberry Hill has some unique, I know I'm getting kind of away from cultivating Hope Barns, but it'll come back into play. You know, we offer events. And if you go back on to our Facebook page, you can see some of our past events where we're trying to get un isolated. Yeah. <laughs> we have, you know, we'd have um, the old fashioned Christmas. Those are things that, you know, I just couldn't go to, and there's not a lot of that offered anyway, but you just can't go out and, and do things as a family like traditional families can just because of the limitations with the autism situation that puts limitations on her and her comfort level. So when we had the old-fashioned Christmas, we had the carriage rides, and we had the area for the animals to go pet, and she had her comfort areas where she felt safe and didn't feel vulnerable. And and then we had Santa Claus, that is an amazing Mr. and Mrs. Santa Claus in our cottage out there. And, you know, they're so warm and cuddly. You go into this little building, and they cuddle you all up. And it was it's just a very unique environment that allows everybody to have a place. Mm -hmm. that's comfortable and then we've also ha also have like for valentine's my husband and i we like to dance so we have a valentine's dance and he off this, this is the first time he offered dance lessons to couples and they came in and they danced and had fun and you know and then if she's in here yelling and screaming and you know or she gets she needs her own private time in her own room she has that availability 
So for us, the personal family offer these events here at Raspberry Hill so that we could have that opportunity to kind of unisolate ourselves, but yeah. in a room that was a little bit more open and more at home. Yeah. And a refuge, like you spoke earlier on, it's a refuge that's a little bit unique. Yeah. Oh, that's really neat. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, if people are listening and they're not wondering how they could help, I would be shocked, quite frankly. So how should people follow along, see your progress, get into a conversation with you? I mean, I, you just never know. There might be a little Highland calf out there waiting yeah. for you with the name is there waiting for you. So Oh, we already have one. It's, in, it's north of Boone. So if someone okay. wants to help me out, I would love to bring her home. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got a lot of farmers with a lot of stock trailers. I'm sure we could get it figured out. <laughs> I, just, I just need a sponsorship. So, yeah. No, you can reach me. You know, Facebook is a great resource. It's a free resource that you can reach me on. You know, Cultivating Hope Farms has their own Facebook page. You know, a great way to support it is follow it, network, share it. Because you never know who's going to go out there and say, oh, wow, this is something that I, I, I want to support. And so if you could do that, that's a free way of really helping me out is networking through Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, also, you can call me directly. My cell phone number is 515-210-5407. You can call me. That's my personal cell phone anytime, and we can just chat. I love getting relationships built. That's, um, that's part of that networking. Awesome. Uh, well. I appreciate that. And for everybody who's listening, we'll have all of that information in the show notes so that you can just go and click and it'll just take you right to that Facebook page. And also you can see Gina's phone number in case you didn't have time to quite write that down. We'll make sure that we've got that for you. So Gina, I just appreciate so much that you took time to talk about this amazing thing and to share your ambassador rooster. <laughs> I keep hearing him cluck, cluck, clucking down there next to you. I'll bring him back up here. He's been a very, very good guest on the podcast today. I was kind of hoping that he'd give us a little rooster hello. Yeah, I was kind of hoping he'd at least say hi, but he's been minding his manners. He hasn't had much to say today, I guess. He he, you know, give him the morning hours and he'll be very cock-a-doodle-doodling, but no, he's a good boy. He's definitely, you know, all of our animal helpers are ready to serve and they are very good in nature and we'd love to show them to you. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you again so very much and just can't wait to see what's going to be coming your way in the next year. I, I'm ready because, uh, you know, animal-assisted therapy in Iowa, all we think about is equine and the dogs and really... It's everything in between, too, and these chickens and donkeys and goats are ready to serve. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. This is Rena Striggle, and you have been listening to the Courage to Breakthrough podcast. Please visit my website at renastriggle.com and find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you haven't yet, please go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another inspirational episode where you will hear how real life people just like you have discovered the courage to break through.